I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I'm Laura Lowe. And you're listening to Hidden Jukebox, the show where we start with a great 90s album and see where it takes us. And today we are talking about Hole's 1998 album, Celebrity Skin, produced by Michael Beinhorn and Eric Erlandson. So, Laura, when did you, did you encounter this album when it first came out? Were you already, did you, were you already listening to Live Through This? Yes, and yes, and I went out and got it and listened the heck out of it, <laughs> like, over and over and over again, yeah. and uh, sang along with it, and... Uh, found it to be incredibly um, cathartic and yeah. feeling like I had permission to move on from like Cobain's death because yes. she sounded like she was. Oh boy, that, I, was, so, I was gonna say almost exactly the same yeah, thing. So it was like, that had been such a traumatic, upsetting, emotional thing in my life. Um, and then hearing her go in this direction musically felt just really freeing and like, you know, we all have the responsibility to to live and be really present, and it's power pop and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was I was living in New York when this came out, and it uh, not only did it have that cathartic effect for me, but it reminded me of like the Southern California life that I'd left behind a few yes. years ago because I was I was living in in L.A. when when Cobain died, um, and. Uh, uh, you know, associated that very much with with that place, and I had like written some really bad songs about about his death, and uh, and yeah, for this album to come out and and uh, you know show how that's done properly, uh, yeah. really meant a lot to me. Yeah, and I read an interview where she said she like wrote around the issue and mm-hmm. and in- intentionally, and felt like it would have cheapened things to go head on into it. Yeah, and um, I think that's great, and. You can still hear the pain yep. and uh, anger, and but there's like a, we're going to figure this out somehow um, attitude. Yeah. This, um, I mean, I'm sure we're going to do live through this on this show also, um, but the the sonic departure from that album was not at all what I expected, and I really, really like it. Um, yes. Like the kind of like, you know, silvery, like, like searing guitars. Um that are like you know much much less punk rock. I think the harmonies are so yes. gorgeous, and um, some of the songs like pick up and end on like the same key. Yes, which is like you're not supposed to really do that, but then it kind of is. It kind of creates this like seamlessness of of energy, and um, yeah. So I don't know what song you wanted to start with. Um, oh, I wanted to read one thing from the okay, from the great. Rolling Stone review of this album, um, which uh, which I thought like really really captured something about it. Um, uh, that's one of Love's other obsessions on celebrity skin: the promises and agonies of Southern California. Sold out sluts, fading actresses, deluded teenagers, summer babes, and hunks. All this beautiful garbage crowds the roadside of the album. Wow. Um, and the thing the thing I liked about that is that um, I. I really didn't enjoy living in L.A. when I was there. And I was, you know, 
more because of me than because of it that I just uh, was at a time in my life when I just was focused on the negative about anything. Um, and uh, now every time I've gone back, I've had such a great time because, you know, I I know L.A. is always going to be L.A. And, you know, Hollywood really is every stereotype about yes, Hollywood. Yes. And as long as as long as you know that's how it's going to be and don't ask I it to be anything that. else. Yes. It's great. Yes. I spent, you know, so much time going to like Venice Beach um, after high school in, when I went to school in Santa Monica. And then I went to UCLA and um, and I knew celebrities and. I would go places and there would be like a bunch of celebrities there. There was a next door party and I walked in and it was Jack Nicholson and John Goodman huh. and um, Joe Pantleone and no one else. And well, it was uh, and uh, there was uh, no uh, one else there. It was uh, just the three of them. And I was in eighth grade and it was a bunch of neighborhood kids. You were in eighth grade? Yeah. I had just seen The Shining. Um, so <laughs> what, Jack what Nicholson did you do? said hi and I, <laughs> I completely, you know, looked at the ground and didn't say hi to him. I said hi to John Goodman and the most friendly of all who lived really close to the neighborhood and would always say hi to us um, was Joe Pantleone. Um, Who's great. And I had like, I think I had seen like Throw Mama from the Train at that point. Oh, I love that movie. So bad. I know. Um, So, so I, there were celebrities all around and um, the house next door was extremely modest and the, it was a set director who happened to be the grandson of Marlena Dietrich. Okay. So there's celebrity everywhere around you. And it's just, it becomes very normal and not weird. And I think it's served me really well in life because when I'm around celebrities, I don't treat them like that. I'm not Uh like asking for autographs or even sometimes selfies. Like I just kind of, I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, what'd you do today? What'd you eat for breakfast? Yeah, I think... I, I kind of missed out on that because when I was in L.A., I was I was not literally in L.A. I was in Claremont, so like 30 miles out into the San Gabriel Valley. Yes. And so not not a whole lot of celebrities walking around campus. One of my favorite things to do in, when I was 21, I didn't, I didn't really like drinking and I didn't have a lot of money. And my boyfriend and I at the time, he lived in Hollywood, and on Saturday nights we would go to like what we call the Rock and Roll Ralphs. And we would walk around for like two or three hours and just people watch in the house. Oh, that's amazing. And that was our main like fun thing that we would do. And um, and we would see celebrities going to, you know. Celebrities, they're just like us. Sort of. <laughs> Isn't that, is that what the feature in Us magazine is called? There's like, it's like you're wearing a lot of makeup yes. to go to get eggs at but the grocery store. But it's not just celebrities who do that in L.A. It's That's like true. Lots There's like random yes. old ladies that are just like have their fake eyelashes yes. on and um, lots of dogs being held in arms. And <laughs> yes, and, and, all and, little, the and little purses. Everything. No, but it's all, like, it's all there and it's great. And I also had mixed feelings about Los Angeles when I was there and and. I fall more in love with it every year. Mm-hmm. I continue to go back very often and and embrace all the like tacky parts and yeah, absolutely. And it's becoming more and more and more that you can get around without a car. Yeah, which is super exciting. And so I like that aspect of it. That it's and the way that downtown is being transformed is amazing. Yep. Okay. I think we have to start with the title track, right? Yes. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. I walk and study in demonology. Hey, so that you can make it. Yeah. 
I was gonna say it gets to that part that's like really dreamy. Yes, and sing songy. Uh, I want to get. I want to get there too. Let's to, see. Like, Let's see what no. we can get there. God, the, the structure so of this song is incredible. Amazing, amazing. Um, and yeah, this album gives me chills, which like not all albums yeah. do. And I think that's very, I don't know. I think it's because it's like smiling when you're sad and depressed yes. and angry and like having to like put on a brave face for the press and your kid. Yep. Yeah, It's like for sure. you had to do both. You know, it's like there was a kid to survive for and that that kid's probably now like 25 or something right i don't know yes um that that makes me feel really old uh okay some things that jump out at me in this song like the the, like the the acapella breaks acapella is not the right word but uh you know when the the instrumentation like boom cuts out and uh and there's just vocals and then jumps back in and you the can summary hear, parts yeah like um you can hear like the like the sort of like hissing like like pumping compression like mm-hmm. uh you know just like you know we're waiting to jump back mm-hmm. in like uh the anticipation is delicious yes um and that rumbling of the bass um yes. is uh, i think it was like as a super super 90s sound i think th- this this album overall like sounds really like you know, it's. I think it's a timeless album, but but the production is very of its time. It's like super dry. I'm not a fan of the way the drums sound. Okay, like it's not. That's not how I like drums to sound. It's the first time I listened to this to prepare for this show. I was like, oh, it's that drum sound that I hate. Okay, like let's let's. You're listening to a time capsule. It's okay. That's how drums sounded then. What what about it? Um. Mm-hmm. I like kind of more of like maybe like a retro drum sound, uh-huh. uh, like White Stripes. Or yeah. Like, um, yeah, just like a more Velvet Underground. And this yeah, is so too a... studio. It's yeah. It's too produced. It's too like, yeah, it's just not. And and the drummer was not their regular drummer. Right. And they it was brought in to like maybe make it sound commercial. Yeah. This album ended up selling... Well, really well, yep. and that was what people wanted to hear. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't really fault them for that. Like, yeah. there's always, it, it seems like there are a lot of great albums that have this kind of story behind them. Like, you know, this the uh, the the leader of the band fired everyone and went in the studio and did it all himself. And yeah. like, um, you're sort of supposed to be mad at them for that, but it ended up sounding really good. <laughs> I think there's going to be a, a tell all from that drummer. That's oh. coming out right oh, now. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. So, oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah, that. I, just, I saw that, but I wasn't, I didn't see when that's coming out. Um, yeah, that's a great, it's such a great album and it stands on its own as a single. Yep. Um, uh, it's also, it's one of my favorite karaoke songs. Nice. I want to see that. Definitely. Uh, so, I, I don't know what I want to do next. Um, there are many to choose from. I realized when when I was prepping for this episode that um, 
uh, compared to compared to Bright in the Corners or 69 Love Songs, which are both albums that I enjoy very much and will listen to any time, this is an album that I'm in love with. <laughs> yes. And every song is yes. every song. Uh, Malibu? Yeah, let's do it. It's just, you're just like, and now where are we? This is amazing. This is what I was waiting for. So good. Yep. Just so, and the harmonies are so... I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just I was uh, like I was like get get us there, get us all yeah. the way to that part, and and same thing with the last song. And she, it's just so, um, it's just so kind of decadent and rich. Yes. And oh, decadent is a good word for it. It's so good, and it just I at the time I was. Um, volunteering for the national well I was getting paid like a stipend for the National Park Service restoring a wetland in uh-huh. Malibu oh awesome <laughs> so um it's just kind of fun. like there's all these parts of the of this album that I'm like oh yeah like Malibu what was I doing in Malibu then oh I was driving way out like 26 miles every day and watering hand watering 400 plants that we planted wow i don't think um, i've ever been to malibu it's so it was zuma westward beach and it was a freshwater lagoon and it had been where um, when they were building the pch they had dumped all the pieces of um the highway 
and and dumped okay. everything in there oh, and yeah. like kind of destroyed it. So this was all a restoration project. And so yeah, I got to work every day and see dolphins playing in the surf while I was watering plants and um it was fantastic and and listening to this song. Yeah. Might have yeah, there's there's some listening to you know, listening to headphones and Yeah, I feel like um the the uh, as we continue doing this show we're going to develop a system of hand signals cuz like I'm I'm in charge of of playing the music and, I'm like, and Laura's wait, like wait wait, 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 no, no, wait no. <laughs> um I Something I'm I, I'm gonna realize many things about this album while we're while we're talking about it. I think that um, there there's really a lot of like playing with the uh, the like Pixies Nirvana like quiet verse loud chorus formula on this album. Like um, that uh, there is a lot of that, um, and then but it gets sort of the transition gets kind of smoothed over with like we're gonna put in some harmonies here we're gonna like ramp up the the guitars a little more than nirvana would have done and then we're gonna put in this beautiful soft uh bridge that they never would have done yes and and um yeah it just i i had never thought about this before but it just reminds me so much of new pornographers yes and i hadn't thought about that and then i was listening to it and i was like oh like that's really an interesting connection that my mind hadn't made before you know i'm bummed that there are there are no new pornographers albums in the 90s they just missed it but i think we'll probably cheat and do mass romantic at some point that is cheating Uh um and as someone that made out with uh, anyway (laughs) with with a member of new pornographers (laughs) yes um celebrity you know it's like i pretend that i'm cool and i don't care about that stuff but Uh then i'm like oh fun fact no i was just trying to impress my kid uh who is uh she's 13 um by telling her about the time that i hung out with bad religion at the drummer's house i'm sure she was very impressed (laughs) She's like who who is that that's really (laughs) nerd nerdy um yeah that's uh that's my brush with fame so um Okay, I would like to listen to Use Once and Destroy.
it's hard to it's hard to listen to part of any of these songs because this one has an amazing bridge too, right? Yes. Ooh, when they come for you. Uh, I, I think yes. It's also hard not to sing along. Like this would be the most annoying podcast ever if we were if we were both just singing <laughs> along with every song. Or it could be amazing. It could be amazing. It could be very amazing. Uh, maybe we should have one a sing along one. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. It, it, have to, it would have to be just the 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 perfect album for that. We'll yes. figure out what that is. Yes. Um, so <laughs> listener, listener requests, like, uh, you know, is there an album you want to hear us sing along to for an hour? Definitely. So the drums on this are better for me in terms of being mm-hmm. more modern sounding. Um, I think this song works best in context of the other songs around it. Uh-huh. And why did you pick it? Um, I picked it because um, I really like the the driving bass, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I I just think it's a beautifully written song overall. Like um, the something, you know, I, I think if you asked me, like I would say, like uh, without thinking about it too hard, that that like what I want out of an album most of the time is for it to sound kind of like natural and uncalculated like you know like Elliot Smith just went into the studio and brought in a few songs and and uh, played a few songs and it came out sounding like either or uh which is probably not true at all um this this album is very like you know plainly like you know produced calculated like some some of these songs we're going to get to like uh went through a lot of changes um and you know, I can hear all that and it's still, you know, it's still very emotional for me. And, and this one, you know, I think uh, there there are definitely some lyrics in there that, that are about Cobain mm-hmm. um, and uh, in, in a way that feels very like Well, we all wanted it to be about that. Right. So even if like, it, even if it wasn't. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, you can't listen to this and not make it about him. Um, and and I mean, of course, the the title is a is a Nirvana lyric. Mm-hmm. So I want to. I think I want to do Heaven Tonight. Okay. Indulgent, decadent, yes. charming, summery, Southern California, uh, completely cheesy, yeah, and um, hokey, and completely satisfying, and it's that comfort food music aspect of some of these, yeah, pop. pure pure pop, and just. Yeah, it's just so uplifting and completely 
makes you want to be in a band, makes you want to go see a band that sounds like that. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of what else was going on at that time musically that sounded like this because, oh, um, yeah. I mean, I feel like probably many things that that I was listening to, but but it's uh, you know it, this is it, it's a real like pure power pop song of the of the kind that uh, you know. I was listening rarely... to much heavier music. Yeah. So for me, this was like definitely. You know, I was listening to like Jane's Addiction, and so for me, this was way more in a direction that yeah, the other stuff I was listening to wasn't as like happy. Um. But it's like I kind of knew it was like ironic happy. Yeah. So that was okay. It didn't um, like take away from my coolness to like it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of my other favorite albums from, from 98 was uh, The Posies' Success, which, uh, you know, had some similarly uh, kind of uh, uplifting, but uh, if you if you think about it, kind of sad uh, pop songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with, with something to say about this song because it's just uh, so, well, I so beautifully thought straightforward. Well, I like R.E.M., Shiny Happy People. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, you know, Shiny Happy People, same thing. It's like ironically happy. Right. Um, because Gen Xers aren't going to just be happy. No. Like, that's not cool. Like, you have to be, you have to be like, I'm actually bitter right now. Yes. Um. So, yeah. So I'll let you do the next one I was going to. Uh, okay. Um, so this this one I feel like is I don't know let's let's uh, boys on the radio let's do it. So this is uh, if uh, if you're if you're listening to this uh, to this show uh, and you know this is this is going to be number the first time that I say this and probably I'm going to say it like 50 times. Um, this is easily one of my t- all time top five favorite songs, but there are many more than five songs in that category. Nice. <laughs> um, I I was trying to think about like what do I think this song is about um, and. You know, this this song is incredibly meaningful to me because I think it's one of the few songs that that I really love that is about this thing I think about all the time, which is like the power and peril of music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's 
it's it's it feels to me like it's about sitting alone and being lonely and listening to a great song and having that be almost enough, but not quite. I'm going to read something from an article. Okay. And, okay. Unlike most rock stars, Love seems to genuinely remember what it was like to be an acne-scorched adolescent with low self-esteem. Do you remember when you were young and you'd stare at someone on stage and think, oh God, he looked right at me, she asks. Yeah. I do, so I have this kind of rescue fantasy thing. When I see kids in the audience, I think okay, that's me. And it would be kind of cool if the person on stage would come down and save me. I'm not going to be able to save every one of them, but I'll do my best because I genuinely like kids. So basically, and then she goes on to talk about women starting bands and how she like consciously is trying to like get more women to be in Mm -hmm. bands and really taking on that mantle of I'm doing it. You can do it. Pick up a guitar. Um, At the same time, she when this album came out, she quit a tour with Marilyn Manson and quit the Lilith Fair. Right. She was just like kind of at this point where she was like, I'm not going to like just take all this like BS. I don't have to. So part of, I think the freedom of this album is that freedom of discovering I can control my career a little bit and I have to, to survive because she was dealing with paranoia and mental health challenges and probably still, really shaken up um over everything that happened before that i can't even talk about it yeah yeah. (laughs) um so so yeah so i definitely you know i was i'd always been around people that were making music i think i started to learn to play guitar at this point Mm -hmm. um and and had aspirations of one day being in a band at this point wasn't actually in bands but artists um and personalities that can make you feel like this is this is attainable like i could do this are really important and especially there's just such a lack of women that make that leap to being in a band they're not just sitting in their bedroom playing yeah and i i think of it like a couple different ways like you know for me there was definitely that also like you know i remember um uh for some reason the the uh, pearl jam's first album really did that for me like you know that uh um uh, which is which is not one that I go I'm back actually and listen rolling to. My eyes right yeah, now. no, no, no. I, I I can totally understand that. I I would roll my eyes at myself, but like you know, I was uh, I was sixteen and and listened to that over and over. Like you know, I'm going to be a rock star too. I was not. Um, but there's there's this other layer of it for me, which is the the idea of like listening to a song like this and like wanting to kind of live inside that song and feel that way all the time and knowing that you can't Ooh. um and uh like you mean when i'm eating macaroni and cheese and i never want it to end exactly like exactly like that like it's a it's a, it's a real <laughs> mac and cheese song <laughs> sorry that no I, no i i totally know what you mean um so yeah so women in rock and roll yes there was um this musical I saw in Chicago about women in rock and roll, and it really explored this idea that you you have to be social, no matter like how introverted you are. As like a little girl, you're supposed to go be social, and you're mm-hmm. not allowed to just sit in your bedroom and play guitar for ten hours. Yeah, that would just be considered like really abnormal behavior. And so why we have why we have so few like great women guitarists. Is because of the way we're socialized. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I think part of what allowed me to feel like I could be in bands and could play, I play bass, and that I could do it is when I was little. You know, my mom was like, "No Barbies," and 
learn how to use a hammer and just very much like the gender rules that we have yeah. are, are not binding and, you know, and they're fluid and I will purposely, you're going to get enough of that when you go over to your friend's houses. Um, so, so I just think about all of that in terms of like female empowerment and I wonder how many of the bands now where, where they were inspired by one, one that love. comes to mind immediately that uh, I think uh, music, I don't, you know, I haven't heard her say anything about, about Courtney love, but uh, I feel like musically is clearly a descendant of whole as uh, um, dumb, dumb girls Ooh. Um, who I absolutely love and love in kind of the same way that just this incredibly intense commitment to great songwriting. Um, and yeah. So going backwards to hear an influence that came before, um, Northern Star is, you know, PJ Harvey and yes. Patti Smith. And oh, we're going to do so much PJ Harvey on this show, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. I want to jump to the loud part. <laughs> Let's see if we can do that. Learn how loud it gets. Oh, I know what you mean. And she likes really goes. You mean the the Smashing Pumpkins part? Yeah, exactly. It totally is. It's so it's so Smashing Pumpkins. Did he co-write this? Oh, I don't know. So interestingly enough, um, Billy Corgan co-wrote about half the songs on this album, but this is not one of them. This is uh, this song was uh, is only credited to guitarist Eric Erlandson. Nice. I so I think about um, how I ended up in Seattle. Okay. And how the age I was uh, when you know grunge happened, and I applied to the University of Washington, and I came up here and visited with my parents in like '83. And uh, didn't end up coming here and then came back again a few years later, a couple more times. And I just kept having this like flirtation with the Pacific Northwest. 
Um, and and songs over the years like kind of beckoned me like come uh-huh. come join us oh. come join us and I feel like this is one of those songs that's like come join us to be closer to the northern lights yep. and to be in the Pacific Northwest um, and you know I moved here and the first thing I did was answer a Craigslist ad to be in a band like yeah. I finally was like okay I'm doing it I'm in Seattle now um, what what year was this. 2009 when I finally made it here um, after many after you know more than two decades of kind of daydreaming about Seattle and it's been all the things that I thought it would be and more Um, but I feel like there's quite a few of us that live in Seattle of a certain generation that some of us admit it and some of us don't like how much of it had to do with like the the whole grunge thing. I'm I'm going to admit it like straight up. I I moved here in 96. My girlfriend at the time and I we dropped out of college uh in in LA and uh we were both from Portland and we're like we don't want to go back to Portland and like you know live with our parents or like that close to our parents. We need to go to Seattle and I and you know for me it was definitely you know like that's where you go if you want to be in a band and I knew I wanted to be in a band. And we moved into this uh, grungy uh, one bedroom. I think bedroom. moving here in 96 yeah. and doing that is a little bit different than 2009. Yeah. Like, it's like, quite a bit. But, it's, but it it's, was still too late, but, but, but it was still, great. I think it's just, yeah, but I think it's, there's there's the, the waves of, of people that are artists that are moving here. Um, there's a big conversation going on in our city about the role of art and yeah. artists and homes for artists and the seeming lack of philanthropic giving to arts from some of the main employers here. And and so when you think about how many of us came here for some sort of like grunge band aspirations um, and how that informs the music scene here still. Yeah. And there's so many great venues and yeah. So we need like maybe like another wave of, music in the, in the city that kind of inspires like more artists yeah. to seek out flood flood this place with more artists. Yeah, that would be terrific and possibly have places for them to live also. Yes. Um what were what were the names of what what was the name of a band you were in? Um, Cuz all the bands I were I was in had dumb names pretty much. Um I was in two bands that were named after like natural places. Okay. Um, but they weren't like natural, like necessarily natural, like hippie bands. So one was Dosi Wallops, which is a place in the Olympic Peninsula. And the other one is Fern Cove, which is okay. um, on Vashon Island. And I imagine f- for some reason Fern Cove being like a metal band. That would be very cool. Um, it was more like it was this singer songwriter guy who's like in his 50s and kind of real dreamy, sort of like a dreamy Willie Nelson kind of sound. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess Fern Cove fits that. And then, um, and then I was in a band, uh, just for a very short time with former city council candidate, Michael Maddox, the songs he wrote when he was like 19 and, um, and, and very much like influenced by like the cure and, um, punk and a super fun. Cool. I think I was uh, in four bands while living in Seattle, uh, an acoustic duo called Bad Sandwiches. Oh, um, a country, that's amazing. And a, a country punk band called uh, Cat Piss Lint Trap. 
um, a uh, like very straight ahead indie rock band called Sadie Hawkins and a like eclectic uh, like ukulele and accordion weirdos band called Fluffy Kittens. Fluffy Kittens. Yes, we never made a record, but we we always uh, maintained that if we did, I think uh, Fluffy Kittens needs a reunion. Yeah, it would be called Love to Play. Oh so my it'd be gosh, Fluffy Kittens Love Do to it. Play. Please, please reunite. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we should. Um, so so this album, start to finish, I listened to it, and then I'm like, I'm gonna listen to it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then. I get the song stuck in my head and then I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> so there's that aspect to it where it's like, oh, now I have that song stuck in my head for the next hour. Um, but but in a in a familiar, nice kind of keeping me company sort of way. Yeah. So I think the 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 issue of like gender and rock and roll. Yeah. Um, continues to be really complicated um when i was in a band there wasn't like one show that i played with this one band where someone in from the audience didn't scream out like show us your tits yeah sure and like that was really annoying and uh the lead singer in the band had a really good way of handling it where he would just like unbutton his shirt and like show his nipple amazing (laughs) he's like oh you're talking to me yeah that's great um and kind of try to diffuse the situation so there's just a lot of a lot of sexism. There was, I, I joined the band and I was standing there like loading in. It was me and the two other guys and this friend showed up of theirs and he was like, he's like, so who's your new bassist? Where is he? Yeah. And I was standing right there and it couldn't possibly yep. be me. This- like there had to be some other dude, like there's just three of us here. Yeah. I, I have You've never met me before and yes, I, I, I'm, I'm holding the bass. I'm not just carrying it. Right. So, the fact that there's still that perception that it's yeah, so there's a lot of work yeah, still and I think done. yeah, like you said before, I think it starts it starts early, and like I, um, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about this, but I'm, I'm my next book is about um a uh a girl who goes to who's from suburban Seattle um who like falls in with some musicians um in Seattle in '99. And um, and that's her experience in why she why she hates high school is because she's been like left behind by this transition where like at one point it was okay for her to like talk about music and think about music all the time and now even the the people who she thinks are her best friends are like you know we need to talk about boys now and mm-hmm. she's like no I I'm still like really into music mm-hmm. um, and like suddenly that's not okay and she doesn't understand why that's not okay anymore. Ooh. That's good stuff. And so she goes off to find some people who think that's still okay. That's great. I'm super excited to... I'm really, really struggling with this one. So I'm hoping this, uh, like, if we if we talk about it, it'll, it'll no give one, me some more no inspiration. No one will steal your idea. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. It's just like, I'm worried that if I talk about it, then I'll feel like that's a substitute for actually doing it. The sad thing about Courtney Love, there's a lot of sad things. Yes. Um... I mean, she kind of like became like a badass, like sort of fashion icon. Yeah. Um, but in terms of music, there was an article that I read where she was talking about how doing kind of like a a pop commercial album was going to allow her then on her next album to do something experimental. And she spe- specifically said 
more like a Radiohead album that's open and free. And that never happened. And I was reading that just like, oh, like, I was just like, this is is going to enable, this is the quote, this is going to enable me to be a lot more textural with our next record, more like a Radiohead album that's open and free. Approach me with a grunge riff and I'll tell you to go to hell because I now know another way to phrase things. I've got more options, professional options to go along with the primitive ones. What, when was this? This is 99 when it came out. Oh boy. Yeah. So, oh. That that really didn't happen. Right. So it's just kind of reading that. I was like, okay. Um, Did you ever read the article? I just thought of this, the Salon article, uh, Courtney Love Does the Math. From no, 2000. No. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll, I'll, uh, it, it's a fantastic article. Um, I'll read the first paragraph. Okay. Today I want to talk about piracy and music. What is piracy? Piracy is the act of stealing an artist's work without any intention of paying for it. I'm not talking about Napster type software. I'm talking about major label recording contracts. Whoa. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's an incredible piece. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I um I I wish I wish there had been another good whole album. Yes. Um, that's probably not ever going to happen, but uh but there are two really great ones. Yes. And everyone should go out and listen to this thing start to finish twice. Yes, over and over. And um ask people to sing it at karaoke. Okay. I I actually don't do karaoke, but Oh, really? Okay, we'll I, need to we'll need to I, get into that. I hide away from it. I'm just like, no, just please. I'd rather go see a show right now. I did I did karaoke at uh, my friend's birthday party um, Monday night, Tuesday night, and uh, sang a duet of Yellow Leadbetter. Oh, gosh. I'm so glad I wasn't there. <laughs> Sorry. It's just, there's those of us that karaoke and those uh-huh. of us that don't. So if I see that on the invitation, I'm like, oh, I'm super busy that night. Sorry. Sure. So we'll put that uh, article from Salon in the show notes at hiddenjukebox.com and also the article from the Georgia Strait that Laura quoted from. And you can find us on Facebook. We'll say it's probably facebook.com slash hiddenjukebox. And we want to hear your thoughts about Celebrity Skin. And until next time, I'm Matthew Amster-Burton. I'm Laura Lowe. 